country music. I love country music. Country music. Country music. Country. The future of country music's looking good. I love it. Country confidential. Helping people through music. Using music as a form of mental uh, uh, wellness, almost like therapy. Using music as a form of therapy or medicine uh, for me has proven to provide a lot of meaning for me in my life. So that's why I make positive music. That's why I got a song called No Sad Songs, and I literally do No Sad Songs. Country singer-songwriter Nico Moon is all about the good vibes. After growing up in a blue-collar family that really valued the power of music, Nico naturally gravitated towards making music that made people feel good. Then, after a chance encounter with Zach Brown in an Atlanta bar, Nico's songwriting career really took off. Now, with several number ones and sold-out shows under his belt, Nico sits down with us to chat life, love, and why his music is all about the good vibes. This is Country Confidential, Nico Moon. Country Confidential. I learned something new about you when I was kind of doing some digging. I didn't realize that your dad was a touring musician as a drummer. So talk to me about kind of growing up with a musician dad. I mean, that's kind of cool. It was awesome. Like having my dad uh, be a touring artist. I remember going to his very first show or my very first show seeing him. I was probably like five. And it was like watching magic happen. I mean, it was probably 200 people in like a little honky tonk in Texas, you know. But to me, it was I was at the circus, you know what I mean? It was amazing, you know? And I think even at that point, deep down subconsciously, I knew that this is what I wanted to do, was music. It moved me so much in a way that nothing had ever moved me before. No, I love that. I mean, for me, I don't have a musical bone in my body. My grandma is so musical. She's still 85 and sings beautifully in church. It skipped my mom. It skipped me. But my parents snuck me into a Hootie and the Blowfish concert when I was two. And I, I've i always loved music, but I think my part of it is like, I love kind of learning why you love music so much. So for me, the music of my childhood has to be Hootie and the Blowfish. But is there a song that reminds you of your childhood or maybe a couple of things that your parents like were really digging that you you hear it on the radio and you're like, oh my God, I'm three all over again. Yeah, you know, the Eagles bring me right back to uh, being in the back seat of the car. And, uh, <laughs> you know, because when you're a kid, you ain't got control of the music. You know, your your musical influences are your parents, basically. You, know, you ain't got to get your own influences yet. Uh, and I'm so grateful for that because they have great taste in music. So the Eagles were always playing. Uh, my mom really liked uh Sade and so that was always playing in the car you know uh let's see both my parents were really into like uh singer songwriters and folk artists so like John Prine and Emmylou Harris and people like that like almost what would probably nowadays be considered like Americana Mm -hmm. type music uh was always being played in the car but the main thing is that they had this deep deep respect and appreciation for music and the power of it. And my mom was a waitress uh, and my dad uh, was a truck driver. 
uh, growing up. And my mom jumped to numerous different jobs. My dad kind of stayed truck driving all the way up until he retired a couple of years ago. Uh, and then my dad would, would play gigs at night in his band. And the band was called The Whole Damn Band, was the name of the band. <laughs> and they were like a Texas Red Dirt Country band. So for anybody listening who knows about Texas Country, it's a little unique in that they have uh, kind of like their own subgenres of country music compared to the rest of the country. And uh, Red Dirt is a is a particular vibe, you know? And, uh, and almost like before it was really called that, my dad was like kind of in a band with that sort of Texas country vibe, I guess you would say. And, uh, but they both wrote songs. They would write all the time together. Uh, I remember literally like being a little kid, just coming into the living room, maybe ending out the living room, writing a song. Uh, we were really working class, you know, we grew up, uh, in all kinds of different places. We, we lived in a trailer for a while. We lived in a, a extended stay motel for a while. Uh, uh, bunch of apartments you know our the first time we ever lived in it's like uh like when my parents like got a house for the first time was uh i was in high school and it was it was such a massive thing to like have a yard and it was awesome but but i say that to say this that i'm not saying like we grew up poor or nothing like that we we just we grew up working class you know and uh we might not have had a lot of things on the material side of stuff, but uh, music was one of those things that you, you you didn't have to have money to have access to it or especially to create it. And uh, we had a couple guitars, you know? So I used to watch my parents play and write all the time. And I was just so inspired by it. It moved them so much and it moved me so much uh, as well because they created an environment that made it... Uh, kind of free to let my curiosity run with music and not relegate it to being a fun little hobby that you do on the side. Uh, but don't make this your actual dream because uh, that's ridiculous. You need to go be a doctor or a lawyer. Well, that, was, thing, you know what I mean? that was my question. It was like, I feel like you grew up in such a beautiful ecosystem for all of that stuff. So but yeah. did your parents warn you maybe not to do this full time and have like a legitimate job? My dad said, he he just kind of gave it to me straight. He goes, man, this is hard. This is no joke, you know? And the outside of you looking at the music uh, industry, you know, uh, looks like one thing. Cause you right now, you know, are a kid and a fan of so many artists and everything, but being, in this in this world is a different thing and uh there's a lot of stuff you don't know about yet that goes on behind the scenes of this thing and uh it's not all like peaches and cream you know but if this is really what you love and this is really what you're passionate about and you're will and i remember him saying this to me like if you're willing to accept the highly likely uh probability that you're not gonna like make a lot of money doing this. This isn't going to be so much, you know, it's kind of one of those things where like, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the 1% become very successful, but in statistically speaking, you're probably not going to make much money in life doing this. You could possibly, but the odds are, and if you're willing to, to keep doing this and keep going down this path with that in mind, um, 
then it's the right thing for you to do because then that means you really love it. And that's when you know you really love it, right? It's like if if you take money out the equation, you know, and a lot of things fall apart for people, I think, or for me personally, you know, a lot of things fall by the wayside uh, because uh, I got a family, I got a baby, you know. Uh, you got to provide, so you know. To but, talk to you're good. You're good. I was just excited about your baby. <laughs> oh yeah. I can't wait to talk about that too. But, yeah. but, but yeah, so I've always known that this was the thing I loved the most. It's just a matter of figuring out, um, how can I do this and survive and be able to like, uh, survive doing it was my first thought, you know, uh, growing up as a kid, I was like learning how to play music. I was I first learned on drums and then I got the guitar and, as soon as I found guitar, I just started writing songs like crazy and I quit all other instruments and like fell in love with guitar. I didn't want to learn how to shred or anything. Yeah. I just was really interested in uh, songs and, and how to write a song and, and just more like learning the chords and, and, and really interested in lyrics and melody. So I kind of figured out quickly that I had like the heart of a songwriter and not maybe like the uh, like a lead guitarist or something like that pretty quickly. And, uh, but I didn't know it's like, am I an artist? Am I a songwriter? I just know I wanted to be a part of music, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and it wasn't until really, I would say I was early, early 20s wow. is when I really like actually played in front of someone for the first time. Like, really? Wow. Do you like remember, someone actually heard. Right. Do you remember yeah, the oh, first yeah, song you ever wrote? Like, was it horrible? Oh, uh, <laughs> it was the worst. Oh, yeah. God, it's so bad. <laughs> Anybody tells you they wrote a great first song, I'm the one listening to that song. I don't need to do some checking. We're going to have that. Have you seen that meme recently where yeah. it's that guy? He's like, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> because songwriting is like anything else in this world. It's like any other skill. It takes a long time to figure out how to do it. And then a whole lot more long time to figure out how to do it well. You know what I'm saying? So like, this is something that, uh, oh no, it's almost someone like goes to the gym and is trying to get like really physically fit. You gotta have the ability to have delayed gratification because when you first start, you're so bad and it's gonna sound bad to you and you're not gonna be good. And I was probably writing songs about to some girl at school that broke my heart or something. You know, they didn't sit with me at the lunch table. I don't know what I was writing about, but you know, they were horrible. I would probably say the first uh, four or five hundred songs I wrote were just trash. Yeah. Uh, but you, but you gotta, you gotta do that. You gotta, uh, you gotta crawl before you walk, before you run, right? And you gotta get through that. That's just part of learning, you know. It's almost like asking a pro athlete to like be a pro athlete on day one when they're t ball. You know, it's like yeah, right, right. It, it doesn't work like that. You know what I'm saying? But uh, when did this Sir Roosevelt thing happen? I was digging and I never knew that you were in like an EDM group. Is that like technically what that is? Like, please, please talk to me about that. Because one, Sir Roosevelt's just a cool name. But then I have to ask you because we just saw Zach at Windy City Smokeout and he has this giant yeah. Teddy Roosevelt tattoo on him. So like, is this all intertwined? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where is it? Do you have one? We too? all got this. So we all got that tattoo together. Uh, that's like our Sir Roosevelt tattoo. Yeah. And, uh, but he has a Teddy Roosevelt tattoo as well. Uh, and that's where Sir Roosevelt comes from. Zach Brown is a huge fan of Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, that's really into nature. 
you know, Teddy Roosevelt is one of the uh, most instrumental figures in American history for uh, establishing national parks all throughout the nation. Uh, and was kind of, uh, in a lot of ways, people, I think, regard him as a Renaissance man. Uh, was an outdoorsman, hunted, uh, really educated, uh, just just a fascinating character, you know, and really adept in a lot of different things. And I think that Zach has always found him to be really interesting, you know, and uh, tries to live his life in a way uh, that I think is somewhat similar in that he is very firm in his beliefs. Uh, and Teddy Roosevelt was the same way. And, and like, regardless of like the storm outside, you stay true to yourself and you move forward and you do everything you can to be as well-rounded of a person as possible. And, uh, and Zach is that type of dude. And so at the time I was a songwriter for the Zach Brown band. Okay. And I've been, I've been writing songs for them for years. And Zach came to me and was like, man, I want to do something aside from the Zach Brown band uh, that is genre-less and really out there. Something that, uh, and that's why I want to do it outside of the Zach Brown band because the Zach Brown band is such a thing, it's such a sound. And I want this to be, uh, what I'm hearing in my head is so different that it's not the Zach Brown band, it's just something else. And what I want to do is basically I want it to be an exercise in creativity, an exercise of uh, getting outside the box. So, uh, you know, Zach Brown Band, you know, I mean, they're they're like, I'll consider them to be like country meets uh, like this uh, jam band influence, like almost like an Allman Brothers, oh, yes. uh, Dave Matthews Band sort of uh, influences. And then you have like these reggae influences as well, which me and Zach really relate to each other on because I'm heavily influenced by Bob Marley and reggae music. I'm especially influenced with it uh, through uh, the mentality and the message of the music, why my music is so positive. Um, and so, and so, he really wanted to just get outside of the of the box and make something really different and kind of have no rules. Just kind of like grab some instruments that. He doesn't normally grab like a synthesizer and start messing around and see what happens. You know, it's just sometimes as an artist, you need to like color outside the line. Sometimes you need to uh, throw all the rules out the window and make something weird, make something crazy, you know? And, uh, and uh, it's, it's just an exercise in getting outside of yourself. And for me, that's what it was. And I think for him, that's what it was too. And we had so much fun because there was no rules. There was no one telling us what to do or how to do it. And at the time, uh, Zach was really, really into uh, electronic music. Uh, uh, Jack U, uh, you know, which is uh, uh, Diplo and Skrillex uh, is a uh, joint venture. And uh, Avicii and just all the great EDM music at the time that was out, you know. And so... Uh, he was really at that time being heavily influenced by uh, or like just generally digging that vibe. And so that had that had an influence on the sound of the music of that of that record. I love it. I we wanna... only played oh, four go ahead. shows. What did you say? <laughs> we only played we only played four shows as a band. Really? Okay. All four all four all four shows were so much fun. We we did an arena show and 
Denver, Colorado with Cirque de Soleil, where we teamed up with them. And the whole Cirque de Soleil show was all around us. There's people spinning above us, contortionists on the ground, uh, just crazy. And uh, they were dancing and moving and telling the story of the lyrics that we were singing. That was a joint show together. Uh, so we did some crazy stuff. We got out the box and I'm super proud of it because we did some things that as far as I know, I've never heard any of anyone ever doing like a sh music show. It's possible it's been done. I just don't know about it, but super proud of it. And that's the little backstory on Sir Roosevelt. I love it. But I want to backtrack. How did you get from, you know, I mean, writing songs about your lunchtime crush to finding yourselves in writings, writing, writers' rooms with some of the biggest names like Zach. How do you become, you know what I mean, kind of an in-house collaborator with Zach? Kind of walk me through some of those missing pieces, how you ended up there. Yeah, so I'm from Georgia, Zach's from Georgia. And I was playing this little bar down in uh, Carrollton, Georgia, which is uh, about an hour west of Atlanta at this place called The Mansion. And Zach was there. And I was just solo acoustic and I was playing my own stuff, you know, but at the time I was really just playing bars and honky tonks doing cover, cover gigs for anywhere from a hundred to 200 bucks a night and free beer was what was like what I was doing at the time. And I had been doing that for years and like six, five, six years. And it kind of hit like a, a wall in that I didn't know where to take it from there. I'm just this like, really naive guy from from small town Georgia who loves music and had made these songs. And I had met some people in Atlanta who were booking agents and local booking agents that booked bars and honky tonks and stuff around Georgia. So they booked me. But beyond that, I didn't even know Nashville was a thing. Like, that's how much I didn't know what was going on. That's how out of it I was. Or like, just like, unaware you know is that i didn't realize nashville like to really like do this in in country music you got to move to nashville like that's not even a question like you have to move to nashville have to, yeah because everything <laughs> everything is here like all the record labels all the publishing all all of the uh, booking agencies all of the business of music and country music is done here so if you want to meet those people it's probably a good idea to live here <laughs> <laughs> But me, I wasn't even thinking. I was just, I was just running, running circles down in Georgia for years, not knowing where to go from there. Just kind of like reaching a certain place, a plateaued place, and just running in circles. And then I meet Zach, and he hears he's in, he's at the back of the of the bar listening. And after the show, he comes up to me, and we start talking, and I know who he is. Uh. I had actually gone to see one of his shows at the time. He was just a local guy. He was like only known in Georgia. He hadn't come out with chicken fried yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but chicken fried was already a song. He was playing it in the bars and in the club, but it hadn't like gone to radio or anything. And he was like, man, I dig what you do, man. I vibe, I vibe with you. And I love to write with you sometimes. And I was like, let's go. Cause he was a local celebrity. And I had a lot of respect for him because he was doing something that he was at a place I was trying to get to. And I'm all about learning, you know, and, and I like being the dumbest person in the room, you know? Uh, so 
we got together and wrote like two or three days later and that was it like we just immediately struck up a really good friendship and just from then on out started writing songs together and probably a year later he got signed to Atlantic Records he released Chicken Fried it went you know supernova and and Zach started touring the whole country and the whole world and started becoming the legend that he is now. And through that process, he took me with him as a songwriter. And uh, at first I would open up the shows for him too, in those beginning days, like when he was playing, like before he got to arenas and he was doing like big, big clubs and theaters, I would open up for him. Uh, but my songs were like really average back then. They they weren't great yet. I hadn't figured out how to like, I hadn't figured myself out yet as an artist. But I had, he recognized potential in me and he knew that I could help him with with his stuff, you know? And I think he saw potential in, in me and that I would eventually figure me out and it would be cool. <laughs> no, so, I love it. I mean, we like- that's I- how me and Zach got started. And I just started traveling him and that ended up being- 12 years of, of my life I spent on the road with the Zach Brown band writing songs for the Zach with, uh, with the Zach Brown band yeah. uh, for them uh, unbelievable experience and uh, has completely shaped my life you know Zach was my uh, education Zach Brown band was my hey, degree I guess you would say Brown. how do I get in yeah right <laughs> Yeah, so, the university is at Grandma. Yeah, the <laughs> chicken fried university, right? But I mean, it was so interesting to me to kind of learn that you had written all these songs that have such this positive vibe. And, you know, I mean, just this really uplifting vibe. Like, like I said, we just saw them this past weekend and people had these massive signs that said, please play beautiful drug. And I guess he said that originally it wasn't on the set list, but because so many people were asking for it, he just kind of turned to the guys and they played it. So when you decided to kind of step out on your own and be your own front man was bringing that positive vibe that you kind of helped Zach kind of curate to your own um, I guess identity always at top of mind for you. The positivity. No. Okay. The short answer is is no. It wasn't part of uh, that topic. Um, it's been a process for me to kind of get to figuring myself out, and that that whole time was Zach. I was still figuring myself out as an artist. It's weird. It's like I kind of always felt like an artist. But it just took me a long time to, for the flower to bloom, I guess, and for me to figure myself out because that's what it's really all about. Is like, as a if you're a creative person and you feel like I'm someone, and, and and this is to me what an artist is. An artist is someone who has to make art. They don't like to make art. They don't want to make art. They have to make art if it's a compulsion. It's almost like um, like OCD or something, you know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, or at least all the ones, all the uh, how I how it kind of is for me and the people that I know. Um, it you have to do it. Um, it's like a tit, or, or, or you just feel yeah. like you'll go crazy. You know what I mean? And and uh, and so for me, I've always had to do music, but this whole time I'm not really sure how to do it, how to make make the the music that feels 
reflective of me, like 100% like reflective of what I want to want to say. So I've just always kind of felt conflicted my whole life and at odds with myself because I've been making things that I know aren't it yet, you know, but then eventually through life circumstances, um, like for instance, like growing up the way I grew up, like I said, you know, we were very working class. Uh, that taught me so many things about life. Uh, um, that ma- especially I think what my parents really instilled in me was that material stuff is, uh, it's just only got so much uh, value for you in life. And it is important and you do need things like in a vehicle to like get back and forth to places and stuff you need things you know certain things you know but but to think that you're gonna get meaning or happiness out of out of things it is um is not true and it's so funny as a kid you hear that or you take that truth in and uh and you think you know better and then I go on, I live my life and I get fortunate, you know, I write some songs as a songwriter for the Zach Brown band and get very successful in that way and think that I'm going to be happy. Finally, I'm going to be happy and I'm not. Uh, I still feel the same way that I felt before. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, I get asked about a million times, uh, so many times, are you always smiling? Are you always happy? You know? <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, it's like, yeah, I smile a lot. And I am happy. I really am happy, you know? Uh, but happiness is a choice, you know? And I think the experience or, or the, the kind of like switch for me that turned me over into like wanting to do this was I found my purpose in music. Um, I kind of found my calling. And what my calling is, I feel like in music is to is to make music that talks about and and deals with this subject. The subject of finding happiness in life. And that it's a very simple thing. Um, yet it's elusive to so many of us, including myself a lot of time. And that the truth of of kind of like get getting down to it is it's all in it. It's all it's all inside, you know. And I think that's something that we all know. It's it's something that we all resonate with and always kind of known. Yet uh for whatever reason, some of us me, uh first person being me is kind of hard headed with that and kind of needs life experiences to 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 fight, fully realize that. And and once I kind of came to that like conclusion for real, I really digested it once I kind of like got those things that I was chasing after and they provided this very momentary flip of, of dopamine and like happiness. And then I kind of went back to where I was. Uh, um, I started really digging into, well, then what is it, you know? And my conclusion has been uh, uh, my family provides a lot of meaning for me and a, and a lot of happiness for me and uh, helping people through music. Using music as a form of mental uh, uh, wellness, almost like therapy. Using music as a form of therapy or medicine uh, for me has proven to provide a lot of meaning for me in my life. So that's why I make positive music. That's why I got a song called No Sad Songs and I literally do No Sad Songs. Yeah. It's because life is so heavy yeah. and 
And and I think when people see me smiling all the time, they think that life is 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 for me uh, one big margarita on the beach. And it's and it's and it's actually quite the opposite. And it's the very reason why the music is about margaritas on the beach. You know, sometimes sometimes it's about you know a little moonshine by the fire pit. I like to enjoy my I yeah. like to differ my drinks and yeah. my environments at the same time. You heard me? I love it. But what but... I'm saying. Oh what no, I'm really, go ahead. Sorry, but, what I'm really getting to the point of here, though, is that life is really uh, that that life is really about about spending time with the people that you love and that love you, uh, and it doesn't really matter what you're doing, um, because that's just the activity around it. So things like just sitting by some water or being out in nature, I found to be like some of the best environments for creating those memories, those beautiful memories with those people, because that's those are the things that really make you happy. You know what I'm saying? And Live concerts are one of those things that just brings so much happiness. And that's why I wanted to con convert from being that producer songwriter to being the artist, directly connecting with everybody live at the show, enjoying these beautiful moments of celebrating life, celebrating uh, in a way like community. Cause I mean, you're a bunch of people get together and you're making all these like really great memories with these people that you went to the show with. That's a rare thing. The very few things in this world can bring people together like that, you know, like a live show can, like music can. And I want to spend my life in environments like that, uh, helping nurture along uh, these sorts of, uh, you know, good memories in life because life goes by like that, right? And I don't know about you, but I'm trying to like collect as many I know. as I possibly can. Oh my gosh. How do you keep your shows fresh? I mean, I have a feeling your set list yeah. is very similar from show to show, but you mean, I've had the, uh, you know, I mean, the joy of seeing you a handful of times now. And even though you're singing the same songs and people, you know, I mean, you're singing to, you know, I mean, similar amounts of people, how do you kind of mentally keep the show fresh and like it seems new to your fans but for you it's just kind of the same thing yeah it's the quandary of a new artist you know because you only got so many songs out like right now i have one album and one ep that's got five songs so in total i have 16 songs out that's basically a show uh no. not quite a show it's actually not quite a show a show is more like 20 songs you know so I add in a couple of songs that are really influential to me. I add in a couple of songs that I actually have written for other artists, you know, like you say, like a beautiful drug or a homegrown or a Dirk Bentley song or Morgan Wallace or something to kind of like, I think it's important for me to like show that songwriter side of, of uh, my life, you know? And then, uh, yeah. So every show I'm playing all the songs I have right now, uh, once album two drops then the shows will vary a lot musically but i just had a couple come up to me at my last show they've been to 14 shows in the past two years and um they have the the tattoo my my symbol they have uh they have that tattoo we're, we're at like i've had to have seen at least as personally i mean maybe three or four hundred people with the tattoo. Um my God. And it's amazing. It's amazing. And 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 what I'm realizing is, and what I've realized over time is that my fan base is really cultish. We are yes, they are fervently <laughs> like we are fervently in this thing together, you know? And it's I don't I've I've never liked to say the word 
fan, really. I always prefer the word fan. Just take that in one one spot to the right and make it an M, you know? Yeah. yeah. But, but it really is. It's like a musical family. It's a community that you form around this music or, or, or that I'm forming around this music. And so to me, it's not about me. It's about the mentality. It's about the message. And what the message is, is that positivity is important in life. Life is difficult. Life is hard. We all have our own struggles. We all have our own unique things uh, that we, our own particulars that we're dealing with that make life heavy as can be, right? Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, and for each and every one of us, it's it's a very different thing. It's very different things. You know what I'm saying? But we can all, as human beings, relate to each other in that we all are carrying things. And this is the thing that nobody talks about. Nobody talks about this, but all of us got that voice in our head that's talking to us. Oh yeah. Every day, right? Oh yeah. That voice that <laughs> that voice that's saying negative things to us every single day about our role that we have in every area of our life. If our life is a pie, you split your role up into pieces. So you've got your role, say as a daughter, uh, you know, as a friend, as a business person, you know, yeah. all these different roles that you have in your life. And then and that voice is trying to negate you. And, in, in your role, and you're not good enough as that. You're not good enough as that. As a friend, as a as a daughter, as a business person, whatever it may be, you know. And you're fighting this fight every day. And every single human being out there is fighting this internal dialogue with themselves every day to push out that that negativity and be positive, right? And we're all doing it, and no one talks about it, right? And that's why positive music is so important because every day we are in the midst of, of this struggle with ourselves to have a happy and positive life. And positive music is just one of, I think, many things out there, but it's an important one that you can add to your life to help uh, facilitate a, a sense of well-being, you know, because it really can be medicinal. Because okay? you, you are what you think, right? And so when you're listening to that kind of music, it ain't got to be my music. It, you put on some Bob Marley, put on some Jimmy Buffett, you know, put on some Kenny Chesney, put on a lot of things, you know. It takes you to this place of of of, of feeling good and and that has an effect on on your overall I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I mean, my mom, when I was little and I would be upset, would be like, go to your room and listen to some music. But I feel like that's why good time is now three times platinum. I think you kind of tapped into something that people, I guess we're afraid to just come out with like a good feeling song. When we saw you at stagecoach and good time came on, I can tell you people from the front to our team in the back, they said people were going insane. So why do you feel like that song was so just needed and just so embraced? That, you know, I think what it was is, is, um, and it feels kind of strange to feel this way about the song, but I think it's the truth of the situation, you know, yeah. that COVID happened. And Good Time came out the week that lockdown happened. It, uh, the last, uh, was it the third week of March in yeah. 2020? Yeah. That was the week Good Good Time went to radio. It, it, that was the week Good Time impacted radio. <laughs> so I thought, I was like, well, there goes my career. Like, you're, you're I've, like been, I've been working at, I've been I working at this yeah. for... <laughs> I've been just working my tail off for, you know, 15 years to get to this place to finally come out as an artist and drop my music and I finally get on the radio. 
And then the whole world shuts down, you know? And then something unbelievable in the song just started taking off. And I think what it was is everyone was under so much stress, so much pressure from the situation. Um, and everybody was being cool about it. I mean, people were definitely on their on their uh, social media and like making jokes and stuff and being like, oh my God, what are we going to do? It's toilet paper and all that. And everybody was like talking about how crazy it was. But internally, it, again, the internal dialogue of people, the truth, the part of us that we don't show nobody else, that it's just our personal self, was under deep, deep amount of anxiety and stress about our jobs, about how, how are we going to pay for our stuff? You know, if you got kids, if you got people that you are providing for, how am I going to provide for these people? This is real. This is no joke. You know what I mean? And and that sort of real, I think, pressure um, was really prevalent. And Good Time was out there. And it was this like, this like depressuring valve song that just lowered it a little bit for just a minute, for like three minutes. If you heard it when it was on the radio or something, you're just like, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I honestly think that that's what it was. And um, looking back on it, when, when I wrote that song, I wrote that song seven years before it came out, okay? When I was a full-time songwriter, I wrote that song and pitched it. I pitched it to every country artist and country music. No one wanted it. No one wanted to cut it. No one even cut it for like an album track. And I was so disappointed. But as a songwriter, I'm used to it. 99 out of 100 songs I've written and I've pitched have not been cut. You have to have the thickest skin ever to be a songwriter. And, and then I just thought it went the way of most songs didn't get cut and it went to the graveyard. But then when I became artist, I pulled it out the graveyard because I just knew there was something about it. And I didn't know what it was. And then I released it. And, you know, I released it on streaming first, right before it went to radio. But I was just like, you know, who knows? Who knows if anyone's going to vibe, vibe it or anything. And then, and then that happened, you know? And now, so now when I look at the situation, I, I, I think of it because I, I love make putting meaning to things you know <laughs> it's I a good way it. to look at life i think and so when i see that song and, and what it did and, and how it happened i think that it was kind of like the universe meant working it out to where there was this very difficult situation and it wasn't just good time it's a lot of songs that were out at the time that helped people you know what i mean it was just one of many songs that got released during that time that provided like a a, a a lowering of the pressure. And I'm just really grateful that like I, I had a song during that time that could that could be of help. And and it really like I was all, already dead set before that when I when I made the song that I was already going to be putting this like positive music out there. But then when I saw that impact, it, it only entrenched me to dig my fingers in deeper on this on this whole thing. And like I don't care what any record label says i don't care what any industry person has to say about what i'm doing or or whether or not i need to make some tear in your beer songs or some sad songs or something like that because that's what everybody else does or that's what you got to do you got to be balanced there is enough of that in the world there are a million songs out there that deal with those issues and i'm not saying those songs don't have value people should listen there's times where, where i love a good song, you know like that that isn't like you know yeah you know, like say like my style of music or something. It, we music is a is a very again a very big piece of a pizza or a pie or whatever you want to call it, and we need all kinds of artists out there. But for me personally, this is my call and this is what I feel is really important, and I'm going to continue to go down this path 
I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be launching some initiatives in the future here pretty soon that people are going to be finding out about that uh, kind of delve into this whole positivity and mental health uh, awareness stuff, uh, even outside of music, uh, in ways that I'm I'm going to start uh, that I'm doing everything I can to help people uh, out there who are who are uh, looking for uh, just some positivity, you know, some encouragement, you know, that, hey, you're not alone. It's all good. We're in this. We're in this together. And when you're feeling like, you know, like a screw's going to pop loose yeah. or something, just know <laughs> everyone feels that way. And it's, a, you know, other people are just better at hiding it than you are. That's all it is. Yeah. When you feel like you're alone, you're not alone. Other people are just better. And that's, yeah, right, that's right. I love it. That's the truth. That's the truth of the situation. And, and that's why I love positive music so much. I love it. So before we run out of time here, I wanted to ask you if this ever occurred to you that you, some of your earliest memories were your parents writing songs. And now some of your daughter's earliest memories are going to be also surrounded around music because I know your wife is also in that realm. So talk to me about yeah. kind of carrying that torch another generation for your little daughter. Yeah, who knows? Maybe growing up with musical parents made this subconscious, uh, led me down this subconscious path to to, to marry a, a musical woman and, and, and have a musical family. Yeah. I don't know what that may be. It's very, I do know that uh, when I met Anna, I didn't know that she was a, a musical person. She was just someone I was very interested in and I just was drawn to. And then like a week or two into knowing her, I found out she did music. I handed her just we were hanging out around a guitar. I handed her a guitar and said, play me something. And she played me something. And I, I just, I, you know, it was like when I heard my dad play drums for the first time, I just, it was like magic. It was, I was beside myself. She was so unbelievably talented. And I just felt an, e an even deeper sense of connection to her because I knew she could understand that part of me, that side of me, that, that, um, the artist side of me, you know, that compul the compulsion and, and, uh, I could feel that coming out of her that she was built the same way. And so uh, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for her. And I do think about the fact that Lily is going to grow up in this environment of being around music, but it's really important to me. And me and I have talked about this a lot that we do not push music on her or anything because we are so musical. I, I think I'm hyper aware of that now <laughs> because, you know, the last thing I want to do is make her feel like she needs to be anything other than whoever she is. That's all she's got to be, you know? So we're going to make sure that like we expose her to like all kinds of different interests and hobbies and, you know, that she's, that she is, has access to everything. And if she has a natural uh, interest in music, then that's great, you know, and, and we'll let her chase that all she wants to, but you know what? I mean, there's a lot of different things you can follow in life. It's just really about finding the thing that it just, you, you just can't stop thinking about it. It's you're obsessed with it, you know, and then uh, figuring out how, how, how can I get involved in that thing and be able to like make a living and support my family and everything doing things so that I'm able to live my life uh, being a part of uh, the thing that makes me the happiest. I love it. So to wrap things up here, what are you hoping that the future of country music looks like? I know a little birdie told me that you're 
bringing someone that might represent that on the road with you later this year. But talk to me about what you hope the future of country music looks like. Yeah, you know, uh, I think it's all, I, th I think country music is in a great, a great place, to be honest, you know, uh, I don't, I'm not one of those people who's kind of like, man, this genre has completely lost its way and it's blah, 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 blah. You know, it's, uh, I think uh, evolution in music is natural and it's needed. And it's got, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? So country music has got to sound different 10 years from now than it does now. And and as long as like, uh, everybody is on board with that. And, and, and the thing is, it's going to happen regardless, right? Because young people move the culture forward. They're going to press it forward. And what's been really cool to me that I've been noticing about music, about country music in particular, is number one, there's being these new sort of like modalities, these new pathways to get to get access to new music and to, and to discover new artists. It used to be just the radio, right? And I love country radio. Radio is such an amazing tool and such an amazing way to find new artists. But now you got like streaming and now you got now you got a podcast. Podcast, you know what I mean? Um, there's uh you got there's uh social media, you know, so many people are finding their their uh their new favorite artists on TikTok. You know, that was what 20 <laughs> years ago, that wasn't even a thing, you oh. know. It was like how would you find a, a, a music artist? To, so and then and then you go and listen to their music on the radio, you know. And so now, now there's like all these ways that you can discover people online, you know. Uh, obviously, through y'all, you can discover so many artists and what's going on and, and, and keep up with everything. So that's the thing that like excites me the most about country music is that I'm curious how that's going to evolve, especially with AI. Coming into oh God! Don't even get me started. <laughs> how, how are we going to discover our uh, our new artists in the future? Because I'm I'm a fan. Don't don't y'all think for a second that I'm not out here like you know like digging in on what's new and stuff? Because I mean I, I I'm not just making music. I, I I love music like everybody else does. You know, how I'm curious. How am I going to find my music ten years from now? You know, what's it going to sound like ten years from now? I don't know. I got no idea. But um. I hope that I can be a part of of running on this track and carrying the baton for a second and like handing it off. If I can just be a part of the race is all I'm looking to be. That's what we are as artists. You know, we come into this thing um, and the race has already been going. We, and anybody thinks that like as an artist that you don't created everything out of your head and then, and then you made it. Come on, man. It, it's like we are we are all mockingbirds. We are all repeating what we've heard like. Everything I make is is a melting pot soup recipe of all the music I've heard in my life, you know. And then I I, I take that all in. I think about my life, and then I, I spit out something that it sounds like what it is me, you know. And but it it was all put into me, you know. And this is the recipe that comes out. And so and so I came along. I grabbed the baton, and I'm gonna hand it off. And a whole bunch of you know all these other everyone else in 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 the in the world of music is going to hand it off, and the future musicians of the world are going to do what they're going to do with it. The future country artists are going to do what they do with it, and I'm excited to see what they do. I but for it. now, for now, is my go. The All Country News Country Confidential podcast is produced by Horseshoe Media. You can submit your artist, organization, or event to us at allcountrynews.com for a chance to be featured. 
If you loved this episode, please rate and review wherever you're listening. And a huge shout out to our friends Restless Road for recording our incredible theme music for this podcast. 